Hi, this is Larry Cole, and you're listening to the Torchbearers Podcast. I just want to thank you for downloading, uh, listening, sharing, liking, all that good stuff. Um, please pass this on to your friends for them to listen to. Um, I'm, I'm going to systematically show you how you can be positioned in a place in your lifetime where God will use you to pour out His glory upon the earth. We see that there are uh, scriptures in the Old Testament specifically that talk about the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. In Habakkuk, it talks about uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth. We see that in the Old Testament, there were manifestations of the glory of God. We see that when uh, uh, Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, they were led by a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. This was the, the, the manifested glory of God. We see that when Solomon built his temple and after he uh, cleansed the temple and offered sacrifices unto the Lord, the glory of the Lord covered and, and filled the temple. Uh, we read in Chronicles where the priest would bless Israel and the glory of the Lord would rest upon Israel. Uh, so we see these different manifestations of the glory of God. And this was under the old covenant. So what about in the new covenant? So myself, I was blessed to have been born again at the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, I went to Bible college there. The school was about eight miles up the road from the church. And I remember there were times... Uh, especially during the worship when we would look up and you could see what looked like a, a fog had moved in just below the ceiling. Um, this was at the church and at the school. We would see that at times. And whenever this, this fog, this cloud would move in, everyone began to really recognize the manifest presence of God. And people would begin to fall on the floor and just begin to weep and to cry out. And th there was repentance and there was intercession and people would just just worship. And, and I don't I don't remember a time that this happened, that there wasn't people, everybody uh, just weeping. So the, the presence of God had come near and had manifest itself into something that you could see with your natural eyes. Imagine when this happens throughout the nations of the world before Jesus returns. Imagine when the glory of the Lord begins to move not only into our churches, but also into uh, cities, into political offices <coughs> and arenas and diff different places where leaders of nations are. When, when the glory of God shows up, everybody is impacted. Everybody is impacted. So I think the glory of the Lord is going to play a big part in the harvest of souls that comes in. God is going to come. The Father is going to meet with His children. He's going to uh, disciple us uh, Himself. This is a lot of, of what's going to happen in the last days because the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is His promise. Now, how do I get myself to a place where I am benefiting the Lord in positioning myself for Him to use me in these last days? The glory of the Lord is poured out of His people. All right? So the glory of God comes from the throne of God and is then placed in us by the Holy Spirit. We all all believers have a level of glory that is within them. 
And as we, we purify ourselves by the leading of the Holy Spirit, as we become more Christ-like, that glory within us increases, and it's related to the anointing, it's related to the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and this is where we see when people walk into a room and the presence of the Lord comes with them, there's a level of the glory of God that comes with them. The, uh, the word glory is kabod, and it means a weighty presence. So by weighty, we mean that there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of authority that comes in with these people when they walk in the room. So let me take you through seven steps on how to help the church, you individually and then the church corporately, get positioned to see the earth filled with the glory of God. So first, let's read uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Uh, it says, So then, brothers, so this is to the church, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the result is you will live. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And I really want to highlight that verse. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So please highlight, underline this in your, in your Bible and just begin to pray into this and let the Holy Spirit show you at what level are you being led by Him and, and how much more does He want to lead you. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we see here in verse 16 that He's talking about uh, the Holy Spirit bearing witness that we are the children of God. Yet in verse 14, He said those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So here's the difference between being a child of God and a son of God. A child of God has received God. They're born again. The Holy Spirit's taken up residence in them. They're washed in the blood. They are born again. But when we are born again, spiritually, we are children. But as we learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and to be led by Him, we are maturing. We are growing up. We are no longer children, but we are sons. The difference between a child and a son is the amount of, of authority that they have, the amount of Christ-likeness that they have, and the more that God entrusts. God entrusts sons with uh, things that he cannot trust with his children. So, verse 17, And if, if we are children, then that also means we are heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that's Romans 8. So uh, I really um, just want to emphasize being led by the Spirit, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with him, and walking with him. All right, as we emphasize this, so here's seven steps to releasing the glory in the earth. As we begin to, um, to work out this relationship with the Holy Spirit, we learn to be led by him. All right, this is no easy thing. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. All right, when we are born again, we are a spirit. The problem is we're not being taught how to walk this spiritual life, 
We're being taught more how to adapt the things of the Spirit to our natural life. And this is what is hindering our individual lives, but also the corporate church from having an impact in the world. So once we begin to um, uh, learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then we can walk through these steps. Number one, truth is Jesus Christ. Truth. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can reveal truth. And truth isn't just the Word of God. It is a man, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the truth, and only the Holy Spirit of God can reveal who Jesus Christ is. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal who Jesus is. Jesus, when he walked the earth, people kept coming to him and asking him, Who are you? Who do you think you are? Are you the prophet? Are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? The reason they were asking that is because they were lacking the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, that's the biggest thing that he does. He reveals who Jesus is. So we have to um, start working out this relationship with the Holy Spirit and surrendering ourselves to him as the person of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he will begin to reveal Jesus Christ more to us. Here's the importance of Revelation because what of God is revealed is what we are becoming. When you see the different attributes and characteristics of God, those characteristics and attributes are becoming you and you're becoming Christ-like. In John 17, 17, Jesus was praying to the Father and he said, sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify means to be raised up above. So there's a couple of, of, of points here I want to talk about. To be raised up above means that we, um, when, you're, when you're lifted up above something, you've got a better view. You can see farther. You can see things better. You can see things from a different perspective. So often in our lives, we kind of get lost in the forest of life and, and we're, we're just not sure which way we're going and, and we lose our vision. But Jesus says right here, Father, by your truth, I ask that you would sanctify them. Your word is truth. So the word of God with the Holy Spirit has the ability to sanctify us and lift us up to see things differently, to see who God is differently, but also to see our, our lives differently, but also to see the lives of the people around us differently. So number one, truth is Jesus Christ. And as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we begin to receive the truth. Number two, revelation of the truth or Jesus, revelation of Jesus empowers worship. So friend, I love to watch someone worship in spirit and in truth. When someone is truly worshiping the Lord, it is because they have a revelation of who Jesus is. And you might say, well, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, but it doesn't show in your worship life. God is looking for worshipers. If we truly knew the extent of who Jesus was, we would 
be changed in so many ways. And one of the ways that we would be changed is showing it in the way that we worship the Lord, in the way that, that we exalt Him, we praise Him, we lift up our voice, we lift up our hands. And it's uh, worshiping God is not about a song. It's about a position of the heart. When people are, are getting a deep revelation of who Jesus Christ is, they are cut to the heart with this revelation and they are being changed. You've got to have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and not just some surface revelation. You've got to see the depths. We are going to spend eternity searching out the depths of the heart of God. So why should I think just because I've been walking with God for a few years that I know who he is? Friend, God is looking for worshipers on the earth. The reason the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus Christ is because the Holy Spirit is trying to raise up a body of worshipers on the earth. John 8, 31, 32 says, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So one of the things that I see in a worshiper, when I see someone just lost in God's presence, man, they are free. And they may be going through a lot of uh, hard times in their life at the moment. They, they may be up against a lot of opposition, but they have tapped into the heart of the Father. And they're allowing the Holy Spirit to give them great revelation of the greatness of who Jesus Christ is. And they are a worshiper. So... The Holy Spirit is revealing the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And this revelation is what empowers our worship. Now, this is very important because the next step, worship increases your love for Him. The greatest commandment is that we would love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Deuteronomy 6, 5. We cannot do this without worship and we cannot worship God without a revelation of who he is and we can't get that revelation without the Holy Spirit revealing the truth so worship increases your love for him so do you see the process of how this is building truth by the Holy Spirit becomes revelation revelation empowers our worship and worship increases our love Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So worship increases your love for him. All right, so now that we're worshiping because of the revelation of, of Jesus that's been given to us, we are being filled with his love. Now, number four, my love for him builds my faith in him. All right, I hear people all the time saying, I just need more faith. I need more faith. Your faith is equivalent to your love for God. What does that mean? That means when I truly love the Lord, I can trust Him. When I know the love that God has for me, I can trust Him. And the way that I get that love, both ways, receiving His love and me loving Him back, is through worship. As I worship Him, 
He is filling me with His love. As I worship Him, I am pouring out my love on Him. And as I love Him, I trust Him. And what is trust? It is faith. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision prospers anything nor uncircumcision. So it's nothing of the flesh. But what does prosper me in Jesus Christ is faith which works by love. How does faith work? By love. When you love the Lord God, you can trust Him. When you know how much He loves you, you can trust Him. Your trust in God is your faith in God. Your level of faith is linked to how much you love the Lord. James 2.5 says, Listen, listen, my beloved brethren. Has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him. So where do they get this richness of faith and where do they become heirs of the kingdom? God has promised it to them that love him. As you love him, God will give you more faith. If you need more faith right now, you need more love. I'm telling you, you need to worship the Lord. If you're going through a hard time right now in your life and you're like, man, I just don't know how much more of, I, of this I can take. You are lacking faith. If you are lacking faith, you just need to worship the Lord God till you receive a fresh revelation of his love and then pour that love back out on him and watch your faith rise up within you and overcome. All right. So number five, we got three more. Listen, your level of faith that we've just been talking about determines your righteousness. Your level of faith determines your righteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So it's interesting. In Ephesians Paul talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. But here we are in 1 Thessalonians 5.8. He breaks down the two ingredients that make that breastplate of righteousness. And it's called the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love are the two ingredients that make righteousness. And then he says, and for a helmet, put on the hope of salvation. All right, Romans 1.17 for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. What does that mean? If you're living by faith, you are righteous. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteous. Where did Abraham get his righteousness? His faith his trust in God. What does it mean to have faith? It means to let go of the things of this world that you are trusting in to provide for you, to answer your prayers, to come through for you. Let go of the things of this world and trust God. When you trust God only, that is faith. And your faith is your righteousness. 
Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Philippians 3.9 says, Be found in Him. Be found in Him. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are holy and completely His. When His eyes land on you, may you be found in Him, not having your own righteousness, which is of the law, which means you're depending upon your own works to gain righteousness, to prove to God that you're worth something. But have a righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So let me back up. As you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you, to reveal Jesus to you, you are getting revelation of who Jesus is, and that revelation of Jesus empowers your worship. Your worship increases the amount of love that you receive from Him, the amount of love you give back to Him. That, that reciprocal love determines your level of faith in Him. Your faith, then, is your righteousness. All right, number six. We're almost done. Your righteousness. All right, now that you've got righteousness... Your righteousness allows your participation in the kingdom. Matthew 13, 43 says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. The kingdom of God is for the righteous only. If you are not walking in righteousness, in faith, in love, you are not part of the kingdom. 2 Thessalonians 1.5 says, There is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that will count you worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So we can see there's the relationship there between righteousness and the kingdom. So as you worship the Lord and you experience more of His love, you're going to trust in Him more. Trusting Him is having faith in Him. That faith brings forth righteousness. God looks at you when you live by faith, when you in your current circumstances let go of everything and say, God, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. I trust the anointing. I trust the Holy Spirit within me. God looks at you and says, man, I've got a righteous one here that believes in me. So you've got to trust in the Lord to be known as righteous because your righteousness then allows you to be put in the kingdom of God. And number seven, the kingdom that you are now positioned in is where the glory of God is released from. First Thessalonians 2.12 says, I want you to walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. It is from the kingdom of God that the glory of God is revealed upon the earth. If God does not have a people trusting in Him, loving Him, getting a revelation of Him, being accounted as righteous, they will not be in the kingdom of God, and as a result, they will not release the glory of God. But 
as we trust Him more and more as the day of His return approaches. Let go of the things of this world. Let go of your logic and your reasoning and ask Him to help you worship Him. Ask Him to give you fresh revelation of who Jesus is and then worship Him in that revelation. Get filled with His love and watch your faith begin to rise. And God will anchor you in His kingdom and use you to release His glory. So this goes all the way back to when Jesus taught His disciples how to pray. He said in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Look at this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done? His glory, His weighty presence, His kabod begins to push the darkness back. And when the darkness is pushed back, that means the light is shining and everything that is brought into the light is in agreement with who God is, what God's doing, and we are the people of God. So friend, I thank you for tuning in. Uh, these are seven steps to see the glory of God released on the earth and in your life. I love you. Uh, reach out to us, and uh, if, if we can pray for you, let us know.